Well, if you've been joining us uh, on these Sunday mornings, we have been following the life of Joseph. Last time together, we left Joseph in prison. We know and I believe that Joseph knew that he was made for more than just spending the rest of his life in prison. As a matter of fact, he, he had some promising dreams of what God was going to do with him, and he's waiting. So he is faithfully living his life where he finds himself, and he finds himself in prison. Well, in his duties of administrating, you know, the keeper of the prison kind of left him in charge of a lot of responsibilities there. While he's doing that, two more prisoners join the crowd. These prisoners were formerly servants of Pharaoh. And they come into prison and they have a terrible night. And they have some fearful dreams. Let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 40. I'd like to read verses 1 to 23. You can follow in your Bible or up on the screen. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard changed, charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream, in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation." And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream. There's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was set before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I've done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head, and the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. So far, so good. 
Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Sounds like he's been reading how to win friends and influence people. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Let's pray. Today, Father, the word is open before us. We thank you for these Old Testament accounts of your people in different places. I pray that, Father, we would, you would transcribe the centuries since this and make current day applications for our life. May we learn from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The story of the butler and the baker. They are both thrown into prison in verses 1 through 4. Now let's look at the duties of these two former servants of the Pharaoh. Now the butler. Now if you have a different translation of scripture, no doubt the the word butler is uh, cupbearer. And that more accurately describes his duty. He He wasn't in charge of all the household things. He was in charge of one thing. Make sure... The king's wine got to him on time without any problems. You know, if, if anybody wanted to kill the king, all they had to do was to slip some poison in the wine. So this is what the cupbearer had to do. He had to make sure that they would go back in the, in the wine cellar or whatever and make sure that the, the wine that they got out did not have any other hands on it. So he would get the wine out of the barrel or however it was put and he would taste it. You know, that's kind of a risky job, you know. How would you like to be the wine taster? Now, don't answer that. I'm sorry. Many of you would answer in affirmative. But it, it could have been poison. And if it poisoned him, I'm sure that he had ways of looking at it. And if it looked kind of suspicious, he would dump it out and get another barrel or whatever. But he had to make sure that the chain of possession was his hands all the way to the king's hands. Now, this job was a very trusted position. He had to be close to the king. He had to be close and a very trusted individual. There is another cupbearer in the Bible in the book of Daniel and our book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer under Artaxerxes. And his cupbearer responsibility, he was a close confidant of King Artaxerxes. So it's very possible that this guy in Pharaoh's court was a very trusted advisor and confidant of the king. Well, what about the baker? Now, uh, some translations um, expand on this, that he was just the cook, which is very possible, that he had the superintendence of everything related to providing and preparing of food for the royal table. Again, tasting it, making sure that everything was up to snuff, didn't want to uh, give him any, any raw roast beef or didn't want to have anything spoiled. And boy, I tell you, if the king had something that wasn't very tasty or was then 
it was very bad for us. So it had to be a trusted position, the king's cook, and made sure that everything that was on the royal table was up to snuff. That was his responsibility. So both, both of these positions, usually the Egyptians chose people of a high rank and high society um, and due to the trusted position and confidential nature of their employment as well as their access to the king. You just didn't get a, 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 a guy from uh, off the street. These had to be very well chosen. Well, both of them end up in prison. Now, we're not told why they were found out of favor with the king. It's very possible that somebody had told the king, there is a plot on your life, and we've got to find out. Well, they would choose the, the most closest to the king, and it was the butler and the baker. Just like if there is a murder of someone, they usually look for the spouse, the one that's closest to them first. Well, they have suspicion, so while the investigation is progressing, they just throw them into jail. I don't know if you had to get a warrant or read them their Miranda rights or anything like that. They were just thrown into jail, and Joseph is the one who has that responsibility. They're placed under Joseph's care. Remember, last week we said that behind all of this, God is the one who is the divine choreographer. He's moving people into position and into place in Joseph's life. And so these two didn't just happen to be under Joseph's care. God had superintended it that he meet these two individuals. Well, we see that uh, the butler and the baker are thrown into jail and Joseph is there with him. Let's look. Next we see Joseph interprets their dreams. Well, both the Egyptians and the Babylonians had a lot of stock into dreams. They believed that dreams were communicated to them by the gods. And so the, the gods didn't tell them what the dreams meant. Supposedly, they just were trying to communicate something. So what the Egyptians and the Babylonians, they they compiled these dream books. It was like an encyclopedia or a dictionary. Well, if you dream about a tree, this is what it means. If you dream about um, uh, uh, an animal, this is what it means. I wonder what it means when you feel like you can fly. Have any of you had one of these flying dreams that you can fly everywhere? I've had those dreams all the time. I have no idea what it means. Probably I ate pepperoni pizza before I went to bed or something like that. Well, the Egyptians, they had all these dream books and they had all these scholars, supposedly, uh, astrologers and things, would, would try to figure out from the dream books what these things meant. Well, anyway, Joseph, of course doesn't believe any of that. Joseph had a different view. He did not consult any scientific literature or a dream book, but he consulted one source, God. Only two Israelites in the Bible engaged in dream interpretation. One was Daniel, remember? King Nebuchadnezzar the king had this dream and dreamed of a great big image made out of gold and all of that. And, and Daniel told him what it meant and all the other dreams that he had. So Joseph and Daniel both served pagan monarchs and they interpreted the dreams and both did not claim any credit for it but said only God can reveal these type of secrets. 
Well, these two, the butler and baker, both have disturbing dreams. Imagine the day that they went to jail. I imagine they were terrified. They knew about the, the king. He could, his word was life or death. And they found themselves out of favor with the king. And that night, I'm sure they were terrified. And their terror and their fear resulted in both of them having very disturbing dreams. They wake up the next morning and the weight of those dreams are heavy on their heart. And it shows in their faces. Looking at... uh, What happened? What does that mean? So Joseph notices their sadness. Look at verse 6. And Joseph came in to them in the morning. Now, I don't know if he's coming to give them a new set of orange scrubs or I don't know if he's giving them the, the food for the day or trying to find out what bunk they're going to sleep in. But he's, he's coming in to take care of his responsibilities of uh, overseering of the, the new prisoners. And he notices that they are sad. <clears throat> so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody of his Lord's house saying, why, why do you look so sad today? I can see it. All over your face. And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. I can imagine they are worried about whether they're going to live or die. They're worried about the results of the investigation that was being done on the plot to kill the king or whatever was going on and that weighed heavily upon them and they had these dreams and they still don't know what's going on and it just just was on their faces. This is a, a window in the heart of Joseph. Now, Joseph had his own problems. He had <coughs> been mistreated. He's been put into prison in false accusation. He's been there a while. And he could have said, hey, I don't care what's going on. It's a prison. You're not supposed to look happy anyway. Everybody looks sad. But he notices their sadness. He gets out of his own self and he notices the brokenness and the burdens of other people. Why do you look sad today? He cared that the butler and the baker looked sad one day. He cared about the broken hearts of others. D.L. Moody tell the story of his conversion this way. He said, when I was in Boston as a teenager, I used to attend a Sunday school class. And one day I recollect my teacher, my Sunday school teacher came around behind the counter of the shop where I was working at and put his hand on my shoulder and talked to me about Christ and my soul. I didn't even know I had a soul until then. I said to myself, this is a very strange thing. Here's a man who never saw me till lately, and he's weeping over my sins, and I never shed a tear about them. But I understand it now, and I know what it is to have a passion for men's souls and weep over their sins. I don't remember what he said, but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder tonight because he saw me and he had compassion for me. That's what Jesus did. 
he saw Nicodemus up a tree. No, Zacchaeus up a tree. He saw Nicodemus, Nicodemus consumed in his religion. He saw Nathaniel that was there under a tree. He saw people, individuals, and he cared. He even said, Come unto me, all ye that weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As we let Jesus live through us, we will care about the needs of others. Even when we are surrounded with our own problems, we will have eyes and hearts, as Joseph did, to see people in their sadness and brokenness and try to speak a word to them about Jesus. Well, Joseph sees their sad condition and asks them what's going on. And they tell them that we've had a dream and we don't understand what it means. Joseph said, tell him. Well, the butler tells his dream to Joseph and Joseph gives him the interpretation. In Genesis 40, verse 9, Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. It was though as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. I, I can imagine this dream was on speed sequence, because he's seen the vine, and all of a sudden, the vine had buds on it. Then the buds... Uh, flowers first, then buds, and then it, it came to ripe grapes, and he took the grapes and he squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup. Uh, I guess all rules are gone when you're having dreams. Anything can happen like this, but it was just, just in just a short time, that's what he told. And then he put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Now Joseph gives the interpretation in verse 12 and said to him, this interpretation, three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you, are, when you were his butler. Wow, what amazing news. The cupbearer is going to be restored to his position in three days. Perhaps he must have felt so much joy at uh, this guy. He, he probably felt good enough to do a happy dance. I'm not going to do a happy dance for you. Just imagination, okay? He's so excited. I get to go back to my old job. I'm not going to be killed. I'm going to be restored and honored once again to my position. I'm so glad the investigation. Thank you, Joseph, so much. Well, the baker has a dream. <clears throat> the baker sees the good news that the cupbearer received and perhaps sparks, whoa, maybe I can tell Joseph my dream. Maybe I'm going to be restored too. Maybe I'm going to get some good news. Verse 16. Then the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good. He said to Joseph, I was also in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. Okay, I have no idea what this means. He's thinking, but maybe Joseph can tell me. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. So far, so good. 
Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Wow. I can imagine the baker's mouth dropped open and said, what's this? You give the guy there good news and you're giving me bad news. This isn't like they tell you in modern day churches. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Not for me. Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him when he eventually is released. Tell Pharaoh about my unjust imprisonment. I noticed something about this. Though Joseph showed godly character in the Egyptian prison by not becoming angry and bitter in his heart, Joseph wasn't stupid either. He wants to get out of this prison. And here's this guy going to get out and going to be restored. So he says, well, why don't you go tell Pharaoh and maybe... um, kind of a levy for my release from here. You know, I think there's a good lesson that we can learn. Seeing God in your circumstances doesn't mean that God wants you stuck in those circumstances. Knowing that God can minister to you in times of grief and times of sickness, but God doesn't want you stuck in there. Wants you healed as much as you can be. You know, seeing God in your low income situation, maybe your brokenness, not brokenness, but brokenness. Some of you got that affliction. Doesn't mean that God wants you to live that way forever. And if you see an opportunity to to better yourself, I don't see anything wrong with that. And Joseph tries to better his situation by asking the butler to remember him. Well, the dreams have been interpreted And now Joseph was forgotten. Verse 20. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. Ah, Pharaoh's having a birthday. Great. He made a feast for all of his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. The idea of lifting up your head is hearing your case. So he's hearing the case of the butler and the baker. Then he restored the chief butler, to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, and Joseph had interpreted them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Notice how Pharaoh restores the butler. To lift up your head is a phrase that means to have your case considered by the king. And now his position of trust is restored and he's found innocent of all the charges. Happy birthday, king. Here's your wine. (laughs) He's so excited about this. Now, sometimes, you know, when when you remember that story, the butler and the baker, and you wonder which one was which, always think the butler didn't do it. Okay? The butler didn't do it. The baker did. The butler didn't do it. Well, what happens to the baker? He gets hanged. As far as the baker was concerned, the phrase had a double meaning to lift up your head. Not only would he get his case considered, Pharaoh would lift up his head a long way by chopping his head off. Now, the Egyptians did not use hanging. 
they used the guillotine or they sword or however you could get beheaded the victim. And then they impaled his body on a stake or a tree. So in a dual sense, the baker's head was lifted up. That's what Pharaoh did to his enemies, and it must have found the investigation that the baker was somehow involved in a plot to kill the king, or his his, um, deeds were such to the position that he could not be around Pharaoh anymore. Well, so far, everything is happening according to Joseph's plan. He told them the dreams, they were accurate, and now what happens next? The butler forgets Joseph. The butler's back to his old life. I don't think he intended or purposely did not tell Pharaoh about how he got there. He was so enmeshed in his own life again that he forgot what brought him there. He forgot the Joseph who had asked him to remember them. And Joseph is forgotten. Joseph is forgotten. There's a true story told about a revival that was held in a small town. The crowd had dispersed when a woman came down the front and asked to speak with the preacher. She cried uncontrollably as she explained to the minister that she wanted to become a Christian, but she felt that she had sinned too much for God to ever forgive her and accept her as his own. Searching for a way to help her with her grief, the preacher asked, is there a verse of scripture that you remember or that you know? And she responded, yes, there's one verse that I know. And it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. Forgotten son, the preacher was a little shocked at her misstatement of that verse. But then he realized God had given him a perfect opportunity to reach her. He asked, do you know why God forgot his son? He forgot his son so he could remember you. Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ many times, but he is here as well as God forgot, as Joseph was forgotten also. I'd like to sum up our teaching of the scripture by making some applications today. And the first one, only God's revelation will address man's confusion. These guys had dreams and they had no idea what they mean. They couldn't figure it out. Only God could reveal the secret mysteries of life. People today are frantically looking for the answers to life. They're trying to figure out how to be happy. They're trying to figure out the way to heaven. They're trying to figure out a way out of their own darkness and out of their own purposelessness to a a state. I tell you, you're not going to find it on your own. It's like being lost in a cave and there's no way out. Only God's word shines the light out of this sinful world's confusion. God reveals his son. God reveals the way to walk. God reveals eternity and what happens after this life. And I'm glad we have that light. Just as Joseph told what God had given him. Second application. Faithfulness to the truth will bring both joy and sorrow. Sorrow. 
good news and bad news. And Joseph was faithful to deliver, to deliver the good news to the butler. I'm sure he enjoyed that. But he was also faithful to deliver the bad news to the baker. This is a mark of a godly messenger who does not fail to bring the whole message of God. James Montgomery Voice says this, How many there are who are willing to preach the cupbearer's sermon, but are unwilling to preach the baker's sermon. We have to tell the truth, folks. We have to tell the truth that, that God sent his son to die on the cross so that not, not one of us can be separated from him, but all can go to heaven. But we also have to tell them the truth that if you don't accept Jesus as the only way to heaven, you will spend eternity in hell. That is the truth. Joseph had to tell the good news and the bad news. And we who preach the word of God must tell the whole truth of God's joy and, and also his judgment. Third application. People will fail you, forget you, hurt you, and leave you. But Jesus never will. Joseph was forgotten, left in that prison for two more years. Maybe you have had someone fail you, forget you, or leave you. The encouraging thing is that even when Joseph was left in that prison, he wasn't alone. Because time and time again, it says in this passage of scripture, the Lord was with him. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. He's with you. Let that encourage you. One more application. Learn to wait on God. Joseph once again waits until God in his timing, his own timing, unrolls the whole scroll of his life. Are you waiting on God this morning? You're his child if you believed in Jesus and he has a plan for your life. Let's trust him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come to you today and I do pray that, Lord, if there's anyone here that has never made sure that their sins are forgiven, they've never asked Jesus Christ to save them from their sin. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would bring conviction upon their soul as Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. And I pray that, God, you would show those people that are not sure that he loves them. I pray for your child today that has been forgotten, left alone, I pray that the reality of your presence would be so real they could feel the Lord right with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close.